When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, Ring Central makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at ringcentral.com. Ring Central, simpler communications. Welcome to MLB Daily, your one-stop shop for daily baseball content. I am LJ LaFura. Alongside me, I've got Brandon Karam, and we are a Belly Up Sports podcast. We are what they aren't. Brandon, how you doing? LJ, doing good. We just got done watching the Dodgers-Cardinals NL wildcard game. What a game in general. I mean, I'm just going to start off by saying that. Uh, watched pretty much the whole game. Uh, and I wasn't able to see like innings two and three. Uh, so I missed Justin Turner home run, which we're going to get into. But other than that, I mean, just a fantastic game. Both managers uh, playing chess with each other. You know, I absolutely love seeing stuff like that. Uh, and Cowboy Joe West's last ever game had to make it somewhat exciting. Really? Yes. I didn't realize it was that. Wow. Yeah, no, he's done after tonight's game. So, uh, thank goodness. Um, anyway, we think that's a pretty good opportunity to bring up this next thing that I pointed out to you. It's directly about Cowboy Joe West, and that is how interesting a pitcher's duel this was going to make us. For starters, we already thought that this was going to be a pitcher's duel because of the success that Max Scherzer and Adam Wainwright have had all season. These are two guys that will be in probably, I would say, top, both in top seven of Cy Young voting for just about every single 
voter. And all of a sudden now we have Cowboy Joe West getting put into the mix. And Brandon, allow me to read you some stat lines. In, game, in the 21 and a third innings that Adam Wainwright has pitched, Joe West was behind home plate. A 19 to 6 strikes per walk ratio and a 0.84 whip. This slightly outdoes Max Scherzer in 56 innings, who has a 206 ERA, 67 to 20 strikeouts per walk, and a 1.13 whip. Those are crazy numbers. LJ, uh, when you sent me that post on Instagram today, and I was looking at it. I, I couldn't believe that. And look, it's two fantastic pitchers. Don't get me wrong. So I'm not surprised to see them have good stats. But, I mean, Joe West, I mean, he's... Joe West just his, hits different. Here's the thing with Joe West, and this is what I love about him. He loves the drama of baseball, if there is like a borderline, like let's say it's the eighth inning and it's a tie game and there's a two and two pitch that's borderline, he's going to call it a ball. He he wants the count to get to three and two. He wants the crowd to get into it. He, he, he plays into the game, which I absolutely love. He makes the call that is more entertaining for the fans. Genuinely, genuinely, that's what I think. And uh, look, he's umped more games than any ump ever. Uh, this is 43rd season and what a finish for him seasons a lot even for anybody because I mean you think about it yeah if once you get there you stay there and you can pit and you can go to what is he 75 he's he's up there Let, let me see an exact age uh he is 68 68 Okay, I wasn't even close. But that means he started umping. Like that, means, yeah. that means he started umping in his mid 20s at the major league level. That's what's insane. Is yes, once you're there, you can stay there and you can call games as long as you want into your upper 60s, early 70s if you want to. But there is a huge difference between just staying forever and getting up there that quickly to be able to get up there in your twenties at 20, well, you said 43. So 25 at age 25, to be at the major league level, Brandon, this isn't something you just do. The, uh, the people who do all these assignments have been working very hard at making sure they have the best people possible for a very long time. So to have a 25 year old, on MLB crews is insane. It certainly is. Uh, and it's safe to say he has seen more than more, more baseball than a lot of people have seen combined. I mean, he certainly umped more games than probably me and you have watched combined. I'd say you can multiply that number by two and is he's up there and not even is it the regular season lj when you look at all of the playoff series that he's been a part of i mean he's done three all-star games which you know it's whatever but then 
what's that for eight DSs, four, five, six, seven, eight, 10 LCSs and five World Series, six World Series. I mean, the guy is, he's going to be missed. Uh, and look, he's like the only ump ever to actually go on the air and complain about baseball. Let's not forget in 2010, I believe it was, he was complaining about the Yankees Red Sox pace of play. Uh, and I mean, I mean dude, we all know it's, we all know it's abysmal, but like, dude, you're an ump. Regardless, though, let's let's get into tonight's game. Um, actually, one more thing before that, just to put things into context, I was doing the math real quick. Sure. Brandon, you love the Yankees more than I think anybody loves the Yankees. You said, I believe, something like you watched part of about 135 of their 162 this year. Yeah, about that. And imagine watching every single pitch of the Yankees for an entire year. That would be a time commitment, right? much bigger than what you did this year and this year it was already crazy yeah now in order for you to watch the entirety watch the exact same amount of outs in terms of like watching the whole game because that's what an umpire has to do or at least they should be doing in order to watch the entire game and get to as many games as joe west it would take you 34 years to surpass him <laughs> You'd have to watch every single pitch of every single Yankees game for 34 years. I'm, I'm okay with that. <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready. He's ready for the challenge. 33 years or 34 years left. Uh, yeah, I'll start it next year, next April. We'll get on that. Uh, I couldn't even watch part of the opening day game. I had to go take a midterm. Like that's, it's crazy. It's crazy how even when the most committed fans, like like me, like you, I'm sure you watched a lot of Red Sox games. We're, we're still not able to catch every single game or part, or at least a part of every single game, which is nuts to me. But yeah. Cardinals, Dodgers. Uh, Look, had the Dodgers had lost this game, the MLB for sure would have changed the playoff format because it would have been an absolute joke to have a 106-win team get beat in the wild card game and well, then would, have an 88-win team in the Braves get, make it around past that. It, it's just just how I saw it. But well, To be fair, the St. Louis Cardinals, who just won like a million games out of like – a million in three games are certainly a worthy matchup for them. They certainly were. And what a pitching matchup as you went into a little bit of detail earlier, Adam Wainwright versus Max Scherzer uh, game starts off in the top of the first inning. Uh, I believe, yeah, Tommy Edmonds singles to lead off the game. He then steals second. Scherzer walks Paul Goldschmidt. Tyler O'Neill is able to fly out, and that moves Tommy Edmond to third. Max Scherzer then throws a wild pitch. It's one nothing Cardinals, uh, just like that. And uh, they take the early lead. It's 
quite the start to the to the game. Uh, I couldn't believe that that's how the first run was scored. Uh, Scherzer looked a little bit shaky there in the first inning, but he ends up settling down. He gets out of the inning with no further trouble. Uh, yeah, LJ, any thoughts on that on that first inning there? Uh, certainly did not look like the playoff Scherzer we were hoping to have there. You know, it it's tough getting into that though that scenario, a wild card game, getting up there and pitching in that environment. This is the first time you're pitching in that environment all year, and there's no room for error. There's no next game. That's at least at least that's something that most of these um, like if you win your division. That's a comfort you can fall back on if you're the, the ace. If you're the ace, yes, you should be winning. You need to win. You want to win. But there is a little room for error. And for the manager, there's a little room for error. For these aces that have pitched in the wild card game, they know one mistake and my night's over, the team's night might be over. That's a lot of pressure to settle into right away and with, all, with how loud it gets and everything. But, Brandon, um, not much jumped out to me with either lineup we should probably establish before we get too far into this game, mm. except for one thing. Brandon, look who was in the lineup, starting at first base. Matt, the RBI man, Didi. How pumped were you? When you texted me, I was very pumped. Uh, funny thing is, the dude only ended up with 40 RBIs <laughs> the whole season. <laughs> Uh, but I believe, LJ, how many of them came in like that few game stretch? He had like yeah, 11 he had seven. So he had seven on May 2nd against the Brewers where he was four for, four for six. I think he had a grand slam in that game, actually. And he had 19 of the 40 in May. Uh, really slowed down after that really slowed down and sure he's not a starting player but he certainly got his fair share of games that he appeared in every month uh but yeah in terms of the lineups i both thought that they were pretty good we're going to get into all the dodgers moves that they make they end up using 15 position players in this game they essentially almost used up their entire roster dodgers only you only went with i think they had only like eight or nine pitchers on their roster and the rest was just all their position players, which it, it was an interesting strategy for sure. Uh, it ends up working out. And of course we're going to get to that, but LJ, I really don't think there's much to talk about in innings two or three. Uh, no. it, it was scoreless. Wainwright was looking really good. Scherzer started to settle in. Uh, really not a lot of strikeouts between the two, but Adam Wainwright was doing his thing. Soft contact, ground balls. That's, that's what you expect. Scherzer uh, was also getting ground balls and uh, also looked pretty good. They both end up facing the exact same amount of hitters in 21, but in the fourth, we um real quick before yeah you get real there, quick just, um sorry oh you're good put, put together a quick um fun stat just to check he did end up having more rbis per plate appearance than aaron judge this year <laughs> wanted to make sure that was said 
Interesting. Okay. Uh, 0.17 RBIs per plate appearance. How many? 0.17 RBIs per plate appearance. Honestly, that's not. <laughs> if you're beating Aaron Judge in something like that, I mean, I, I pretty solid. Pretty solid. Um, well, in the fourth, to lead off the bottom of the fourth, Justin Turner takes Wainwright deep to tie the game at one. Last. Uh, yeah, it was a that crowd was electric tonight at Dodger Stadium. Uh, they always seem to have a pretty good atmosphere when in the playoffs. I thought tonight was just different. This team, they know that had if they won this game, they're the favorites to win the World Series from here on out. And, uh, you know, that was an awesome moment. Unfortunately, I was unable to see that specific home run, but went back, watched the highlights, watched the replay, looked awesome. And did you, yes, and did you see that um, Justin Turner, I'm not sure if that broke the record or not, but I had no clue. He leads the Dodgers all-time in postseason homers Hmm. with 13, which, I mean, you're like, wow, Justin Turner of all guys, but then you think, stop and think about it. They've made the playoffs, like, for as long as I can remember consecutively, and he has been there for a very long time. But you also have to think about how infrequently home runs are truly hit. Like, we're talking the best guys are hitting 40, 50, and playing 150 games. So the odds of you hitting a home run are so low that 13 should see seems like a low number, isn't but still very impressive with the amount of high caliber players they've had go through LA. Yeah. I also think it's worth noting that like up until what, up until 1969, they would just play the world series. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then from 69 to 93 is when they moved it to two rounds where it was just the CS and the World Series, and then 94 to 2011 was DSCS World Series. Since then, we've had the wild card. So they're just playing more games now. Still very impressive, but let's not also forget the Dodgers have made the playoffs every year since 2013, which... Turner joined the team in 14. Right. So every year he's been on the team, he's been able to get to the playoffs. Uh, still very impressive, though, when you look at even the other hitters that have been on this these teams since then. Uh, yeah, awesome home run. Uh, I did not know that he led the Dodgers now in all-time postseason home runs. 13 is a lot. It, it really is. So, uh, yeah, very impressive. Uh, LJ, from that point on uh, – it was scoreless until the ninth, but I'm sure that there's a few things that you would like to touch on within the fifth through eighth inning. Um, yeah. Bruce Dargraderall, solid. Brandon, you know you love him. The man. Wasn't overly thrilled with his performance, but Blake Trinan, on the other hand, very, very good game. Inning in two-thirds, one hit, one walk, one strikeout. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This holiday season, Lexus wants you to remember. Nothing feels as good as making others feel good. Those so-called feel-good holiday films? They can't hold a gingerbread-scented candle to the feeling of giving them something that gives them all the feels. Make this December one to remember, together. Click the banner to discover more. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. I know they went very position player heavy with the uh, lineup today for the wildcard game. And maybe they didn't have, they didn't feel comfortable using a ton of pitchers very liberally because they didn't want to screw up um, and end up with nobody for an extra innings situation, which we very nearly had. Scherzer, of course, doesn't go nearly as long as he wanted to. I think the team would have certainly rather him. Four and a third, right? Going more than four and a third. Yeah. He was not happy when he came off the mound, but still pitched a solid game. With that being said, I was kind of shocked to see them go more than an inning with Trinan. I was shocked to see them go more than an inning with anybody, to be honest. Yeah, uh, it's a great point. Uh, I think it all leads into this to this chess that Dave Roberts was playing. I mean, he was pinch hitting guys literally left and right, trying to get any sort of positional handedness matchup, whatever you want to call it trying to get any sort of advantage with his hitters. And when you have such a deep bench, I mean, some of these guys that were pinch hitting are like legitimate starting players. Gavin Lux, Pujols, Billy McKinney, uh, Chris Taylor, who, of course, we're going to get to. Just a, a lot of these guys that end up even appearing in the game are fantastic players in their own right. So, uh yeah, that was interesting. LJ, Trinan was really good. Uh, Brewster Gratterall. So for part of the game, I was watching it with someone who rarely watches baseball, right? He doesn't really know much about baseball. And I, as soon as Brewster Gratterall came in, I said, okay. I said, you're going to watch this guy and you're going to see him throw the ball when he pitches. And you're going to think that he's still like warming up the way that he throws it. And I'm like, believe it or not, he's pumping over a hundred miles an hour in the pitches he's throwing, which can we talk about how bad this TBS broadcast is LJ? There's no strike zone on the screen. There's no miles per hour for the pitchers. So you literally are just in the dark. It felt like I'm watching like a nineties baseball broadcast. Seriously. It almost makes you appreciate ESPN. Speaking of that, Matt Vaskersian will be leaving Sunday Night Baseball. Uh, yeah, I wonder why. He, yeah, he's running away from A-Rod, who was – we didn't talk about it last night, but A-Rod was bad. That was – oof. We talked about it multiple times. Everyone has talked about it. 
we we may have talked and we we like may have touched on it, but I I feel like I need to bring it up well, again. Oh, you, you absolutely do because as a person who now I don't I'm not sure how the call was, Brandon. I didn't listen to the call tonight for the game. I just watched it. So I'm not sure how tonight's went, but I certainly didn't hear any of it. The ESPN broadcast, I just got the visual with the strike zone and everything that I loved and mentioned last night. I'm now just starting to hear some of these sound bites of A-Rod today. What's your favorite? Awful. Oh, a game of inches when there was like a good chunk of the wall that Stanton hit. He's just like trying to be, yeah, Mr. Wise Sensei with his proverbs. It's a game of inches. It, it wasn't like, like granted, yes, it would have gone out in like X amount of parks. It was, it was certainly a shot, but it wasn't that close to the top of the monster. I've seen like 15 to 20, probably more than that, balls off the monster this year that were closer to being home runs than that. But it's a game of inches. Oh, like I feel like he has the right intent with a, with the, a lot of what he says, but he just can't find the correct words to say exactly what he's thinking, and then it just leads to just absolutely terrible uh, dialogue from him. <laughs> Which you know, maybe he's like better suited in like a pregame or postgame show where you basically are just being fed lines and you only have a, like, you're basically put on the spot, but not really like they're, you basically get told what to say Uh, as someone who's done like a pregame show for like a high school basketball game. I basically had a script I was reading off of for the whole thing. I mean, that's like how those work, especially on like national TV, you got the whole camera set up and whatever, like, Remember when he was on Fox and he was doing like the post game show with Poppy and Pete Rose, Frank Thomas, all those guys. Jenkies lose. Well, <laughs> I can certainly say. Um, yeah, no, I, I just think he's better suited for that. But regardless, who would you rather see in that booth? Oh, uh, obviously, obviously, you'd like to have Matt Vaskirchen back, but I love Dan Shulman, LJ, and I know that he has the Blue Jays job. But when he was the Sunday night baseball commentator for quite a while, the dude is so so talented. Uh, he it was him, Aaron Boone, Jessica Mendoza, uh, up until 2017. I would legit turn on Blue Jays games this year just to listen to him commentate. I think he's such a good baseball commentator. Would love to see him back. Uh, You know, I think ESPN, you know, he does the ESPN radio actually for the postseason. I got to tune into that. I just realized that. Uh, Got to tune into that. But yeah, he's he's great. He's great. Uh, As for color commentators. For color commentators, I really don't know. What if they got, like, the guys who were doing the StatCast broadcast, one of them, Mike Petriello, one of those guys, and they don't even have to fully, like, geek out and do the full stat thing. And I love the StatCast broadcast, but 
just somebody who understands, and not that A-Rod doesn't understand the modern game, but just like someone who's a little more well-spoken and knowledgeable about this kind of baseball. I don't know. I don't even think you need somebody that knowledgeable with that kind of baseball. I think you need somebody that's willing to speak their mind on just theory and playing baseball. It doesn't have to be the advanced stat stuff, but somebody who's been there. That's why I honestly, I do. I would rather see it be a former player in the color, mm. but how about somebody? And I'm definitely not naming this guy as a color commentator. Keep him as far away from a, national broadcast as possible but the one thing one thing i really like about dennis dennis eckersley's color is now brandon i'm clearly saying i do not want him anywhere near that i don't even really want him at an SM broadcast but he's not afraid to speak his mind in terms of the theory stuff the pitching stuff and actually talk about what he's what the guy's doing what the guy's doing wrong what the pitch mix and pitch calling should look like you need somebody who truly is a student of the game and there's plenty of them out there if you can convince one of them to do it again another guy who never would but i'm thinking that type almost like the uh the the pedroia type of player who you know has to has to has to learn the scouting report for each pitcher for both righties and lefties so he can teach the lefties on the team who didn't really pay attention to the scouting report what to do that yeah. type of guy is on every single team. And there's got to be a bunch of them that would be willing to do that if you actually went out and looked. I mean, let's not forget, like, Dennis Eckersley is such a toxic guy. He literally made David Price scream at him. I didn't say I wanted him. I said the one thing he does good. Oh, no, I know. Uh, I just, I just think it's hilarious that literally – one of the players was so fed up with a color commentator that he felt the need to scream at him in front of the rest of his teammates. All right. He, he, he grates on people. However, what David Price was talking about was kind of overreacting. Because no, I know. The entire, the entire thing started because he said like a couple bad things about uh, Eduardo Rodriguez blow up start in his like first or second year. And David Price wanted none of that. Honestly, I don't think David Price's issues were as much with Eckersley as they were with the fact that the Boston media had been beating down on him from the very beginning. It, Eckersley was kind of just the last brutal uh, strike of the match before it got caught on fire. Well, LJ, something... Uh, if you want the high cheese, you can more, you're more than welcome to take Eckersley from us. Maybe some lettuce or shoes. I'm, I'm good. I'm good. Any other right. you'd like to take from Something me? that should be of note in tonight's game. Juan Soto is there watching the game in, like, the first row, rocking a Nationals Trey Turner jersey. He gets shown on the video board, immediately turns around, points to the back of his jersey. Uh, it just makes me – respect the guy even more he was cheering on Max Scherzer cheering on Trey Turner his old teammates I love I, I, I love that kind of stuff that this guy like took the time and was like you know what my season ended on Sunday I'm gonna fly out to LA to watch my guys play like, yeah I I think he's that he's just a genuine guy you look at it 
across the board, I think, I forget. Oh my gosh, it's going to kill me. Over the, during the off season, somebody at ESPN wrote an amazing article and I forget. Passing, yeah, passing. Passing, thank you. That article really shapes a lot of how I want, finally view Juan Soto. And once, once you like, it's he, with most people, I think, once you get the correct lens of how to view somebody, you, you 100% see their true colors once you figure out the lens. And that helped me see him. And he's just a really a genuine guy. I mean, don't forget, he, he agreed to the Nationals first. Somebody else came in with a way bigger money deal. He stays with the Nationals. And he, of course, loves his teammates. He wants to see the best for them. He goes out and supports them. I think that's amazing. But we can both agree if it was anybody but Juan Soto, I would be very suspicious and very nervous because that does sound a little bit like some banana boat stuff right there. No, it does. Uh, it does. <laughs> Going out to LA to agree to a contract, a pre-trade contract extension with either the Dodgers or the Angels. Oh God, please. <laughs> well. Juan Soto to the Dodgers, who says no? Uh, baseball says no. <laughs> well as for the game uh let's get back into it oh yeah this all started because i went on a rant about bruiser gratterall throwing 300 mile an hour pitches uh out of or yeah i believe his first three pitches were the fastest three pitches of the game up until that point and let's not forget joe kelly was in the game prior to him he throws the three fastest pitches of the game. Now, I didn't know that until I went on to Baseball Savant to check it out because, like I said, there was no pitch radar the whole night. Uh, just in the in, – in But – The Flintstone, Flintstone broadcast. He pitches good. You're right. Trinan, had bring them him out for a second inning. Dude is just filthy. Uh, what an underrated pickup. And then they go – to Corey Knable for only one out because was his spot due up in the order? Or was that the double switch or that was part of the double switch they made? Well, Brandon, I can also offer you one other question. They could have just not pitched Trinan another two thirds of an inning and given, given the whole inning to Knable. Trinan was rolling. I, you know, it ends up all working out for them. Oh, it, it certainly did. It's just that felt like a really big risk to me. Yeah, but I feel like in the playoffs, you you're you you kind of have to take those risks more more so than you would in the regular season. Uh, um. All right, so I think we're pretty good to go ahead and move a little forward here. I would like to go to the bottom of the eighth, where I'm going to. Uh, start a new segment on this show right here right now the lj lafira good soup play of the day play of the day good and and that will be going here to mr paul de young oh my god that catch was amazing so you've got trey turner on first after a single earlier they strike out justin turner and will smith hits a bullet over the head of Paul DeYoung, and ma- he manages to snag that out of thin air. I'm not sure how he reflexively got to it. I'm not sure how he got that high. That was a 
brilliant play, and that could have ended. I think with how hard that was hit right into the gap, there's a chance that that ends the play, especially the, the game, especially with Trey Turner out there. I don't think we even get a bottom of the ninth if with that. LJ, 99.7 off the bat from Will Smith. Expected batting average of 830 off the bat. It just puts into context how important that play was. And you're right, because you have Trey Turner on first. And let's not forget, during that entire at-bat, Giovanni Gallegos was so scared of Turner on first base. I mean, he was stepping off. He was throwing over. He was like at one point he almost balked because he didn't know whether or not to step off or do the thing where like you like kind of step off and you do like the fake, like you're going to throw it. He almost balked and that would have been huge. They really thought Trey Turner was going to steal there and it made complete sense. He then gets the huge strikeout of Justin Turner. Will Smith then comes up, hits that line out to Paul DeYoung. We know Trey Turner can fly and, uh, he looked really good. LJ, I'm going to switch up segment a little bit. I want to highlight Luis Garcia of the Cardinals. Not Now, this is not the Luis Garcia on the Astros. Not, not the overrated one? Not the one who's going to get rookie of the year votes. LJ, there's three Luis Garcias that are active in the MLB right now. So you have the one on the Astros, the one on the Cardinals, and then – Hold on. I clicked. I keep clicking on the same one on baseball reference. And then there's one on the Nationals. Exactly. That's the point. All three exact same names spelled or names spelled the exact same way. All very young players. Hmm. Uh, isn't, isn't the most like three years of service time? Something like that. Actually, this Luis Garcia, I'm sorry, is not young. He's been in the league since 2013, oh, yeah. but has just kind of bounced around the league, ends up finding his spot here with the Cardinals this year. 33 innings this year, ended up with an ERA or an adjusted ERA plus of 1.2 or 121, the FIP of 272. Really, really impressive. He comes in as the first guy out of the bullpen for the Cardinals Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. When I deployed, I didn't realize that even the air I was breathing was dangerous. Since coming home, I've watched friends get sick and struggle to get the support they deserve. But now, that's finally changing. We're eligible for new VA health care and benefits based on when and where we served. Even though I feel okay, I'm going to apply. For my sake and for my family. Learn more and apply today. Visit va.gov pact. Goes an inning in two thirds, allows one hit, no runs, no or one walk, allowed really weak contact the whole night. According to win probability added, LJ, he was the second most impactful player on the game. Uh, 
of course, the most impactful is Chris Taylor, who it's the walk-off, but... Whoa, spoiler alert. Oh, Jeez, I'm... Brandon. LJ. I'm All right, if you are listening to the show <laughs> and you don't know what happened in the game, why are you coming to us for the recap, first of all? We stopped doing that many months ago. Many months ago. <laughs> Secondly, uh, how, how could you not know? No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> yeah, very impactful uh, tonight. And look, he pitched awesome. And yeah, he's was really really impressive for me so after him the Cardinals went to Giovanni Gallegos uh, who pitched a clean inning Yankees legend he was involved in the Luke Voigt trade and then uh, TJ McFarland who ends up taking the loss but he didn't end up giving up the winning run Uh, Alex Reyes to end it LJ should we get to the ninth where um yeah, all hell kind of breaks loose. Yeah. Uh, oh, actually, wait, we need to talk about the Dylan Carlson play in the top of the eighth inning, the one that I texted you about. Oh, right. So Dylan Carlson singles in the top of the eighth. Uh, Yadi Molina is up next. Carlson is running on the pitch. Yadi hits a fly ball in the left field. Deep left field. Carlson knows he has more than enough time to get back to first base to tag up or just, you know, not get not get a doubled up. He runs past second base a couple of steps. And then the they only showed one replay angle on the broadcast for whatever reason. I mean, like I said, the broadcast was not good. This is why a TBS only has one game or one or just a few games the entire year, uh, which is a whole nother topic, but he runs a couple steps past second base. And then when, if you go past the base and you have to run back to like tag up, you need to touch every base that you already touched to go back. It doesn't look like he touches second base on the way back. Now, the angle they showed was very weird. It was from the side. You couldn't really tell. It's an atrocious angle. I'm rewatching it right now. And (laughs) here's the thing is that there's no way that that's the only angle that the league office has, right? Like, there's there's not a chance. They, They had to have had another angle, right? Because the Dodgers challenge, one of the Dodgers players had to have noticed that they thought he didn't touch second or else Dave Roberts wouldn't have challenged it. I mean, that's not something that you're really thinking about as a manager in that situation. He challenges it. They, they up, they up hold the call on the field. Uh, it ends up being that he did touch second base and he's safe at first base. It doesn't matter. They get yeah. out of the inning after they bring in Corey Knable uh, to get that last out. But I think it's just a matter of the angle for us, Brandon, because me watching it over about like 40 times now, they keep going back and forth at the base part. I could make a case that he got the side of the bag. 
especially with like when he first comes down and it slips off just around the side, but you could never actually tell that for sure from this angle. I think I can make a case. I see what you mean. I see exactly what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. I think I can make a case that we, that he was there at least enough that it wasn't reviewable. Certainly if that was the only angle you, if that was the only angle you had, I don't think you can overturn it on that. No. So they must've had something else also. Uh, Yeah. Which is kind of weird that the MLB still is we've like never seen what it looks like inside the league office and the NBA and NHL, any other sport, whenever there's a challenge, you actually see inside like the replay center and what's going on, at least in the NBA. I know for a fact they show inside it, the MLB, believe it or not, there's actually umpires that are sitting in this office in the middle of Manhattan somewhere, just somewhere. Uh, their identity is anonymous. They never have, we've never seen inside of this building. We have no idea. We've also never seen the outside world. No. <laughs> they're bred, they're bred umpires. <laughs> they, they, they live in this replay room. Uh, every challenge that goes through, it goes through this room. We've just never seen anything pertaining to this. It just adds to the mystique of this challenge where the, Umps just go put on headsets and stand there just waiting for them to tell them something. Yeah, no, it, it's interesting. I think those are my two favorite theories. Either they started working on this in the seventies and like bred these umpires to be like the superior, genetically superior umpires to put in this room or Joe West clones. Yes. Joe S clones, right? To the 25 year old Joe West clones or it's actually just Rob Manfred sitting in a comfy chair, giving thumbs up and thumbs down. I think both are equally likely. Uh, hey, it's, I don't mind that. <laughs> I really don't. <laughs> well, after that play, we talked about the bottom of the eighth. Uh, Paul, Paul Day Young makes the fantastic play to send us to the ninth. Good soup. Dodgers bring in Kenley Jansen, who looks very good, strikes out. Uh, he, he's All three outs are by way of strikeout. He does allow a hit uh, to – who was that? Who got the hit? Tommy Edmond gets the hit, then steals second base. Strikes out Paul Goldschmidt on a nasty curveball. Uh, it was strike three looking absolutely filthy. Goldschmidt started walking back to the dugout as soon as the pitch came in. It was an 0-2 count. He he, he knew that he screwed up. Uh, next up is Tyler O'Neill. O'Neill strikes out swinging after a very long at-bat. I think it was six or seven pitches. Strikes out swinging on a really nice patented Kenley Jansen cutter. He fires his bat and helmet into the ground. He's very pissed. He thought he should have gotten the better of him in that situation really nice to see Kenley Jansen not blow it in the playoffs right I mean it's 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 awesome for him I mean this guy and Chapman are have a legacy of being amazing regular season closers and then the postseason comes and they forget how to pitch and Jansen is really taking a lot of crap for it but he's been really good uh in the postseason, he ends up getting the win tonight. Uh, 
and I thought he was very impactful on the result of the game. We go to the bottom of the ninth where... Um, real quick, though. Yeah. In Jansen's case, I think also this is huge, not because of just because of the playoff legacy, but because he was given so much crap all year. The fan base was very ready to just give up on him after many, many great years for this franchise. They were ready to give up on him midseason, and he turns it around. Dave Roberts sticks with him and ends up getting just the result that it, they want here. He's shown up in the postseason. This, this, this franchise has gave up on him in the regular season for the past, like, five years in a row. Uh, and he always just ends up with a crazy second half to make up for it. So, uh, yeah, actually one of my – favorite pitchers to watch. Uh, I, I think just the way that he approaches batters is really interesting. He's always attacking them first pitch. Uh, really fun to watch. But we go to the bottom of the ninth where Albert Pujols pinch hits for Gavin Lux. Uh, so what happens is when you make a pitching change, right, uh, you have to announce the pitching change first, and then the other team can do whatever they want in terms of pinch hitting or whatever. Cardinals bring in TJ McFarland, who's a lefty. Dodgers are like, oh, we have an absolute lefty killer still sitting on the bench here in Albert Pujols. Let's pinch hit for Gavin Lux. Let's pinch hit Albert Pujols so we can get the handedness matchup. It's left on right. Pujols hits a deep fly ball, ends up getting caught. LJ, I was like thinking in my head, like it's almost too good if he hits a walk-off home run in the wild card game against the Cardinals. I was like, this is too good of a story for it to happen. It, it, it just can't. It, like against his his uh, team that he's going to be most remembered for playing for, I, I just couldn't let that happen. And uh, it And it doesn't. You're right. Yeah, that would be just what a story that would be. Wow. After that, Steven Souza Jr. pinch hits for Billy McKinney. Mound visit. Game was actually very long tonight. Uh the pace of play. Don't don't let the score fool you. Pace of play was not <laughs> very quick tonight. Steven Souza Jr. hits a hard knuckling line drive. After a, a really long at-bat uh, to Harrison Bader, two outs now. Cody Bellinger walks, uh, worked another great at-bat. Uh, TJ McFarland was, ended up throwing a lot of pitches, only th uh, goes two-thirds of an inning and ends up throwing 18 pitches uh, and is unable to get out of the inning. Cody Bellinger steals second base, his second steal of the night. This is after they bring in Alex Reyes who, according to the broadcast, like, look, yes, he did lose the closer role this year to Giovanni Gallegos, but they were, like, almost shocked that he was in the game, and I was like, uh, LJ, I'm, I'm not shocked. This guy, you look at his stats on the year, was still very impressive. He converted, what, like, the first 25 saves of his career? He set the record, right, for yes, most consecutive saves to start a year. And I know he's been shaky, and I think that's where you're going to go, LJ, is that, yeah, he did struggle a little bit. With who the Cardinals had left in their bullpen, 
it's the right move. It, it, it really is the right move in my mind. Yeah, I see what you're saying, but let me just put it this way. For all of those saves closed, it takes a heck of a breakdown in the back half of a year after all that success, after such a great start to his career. It, take, it, would take, it did take one heck of a breakdown for him to lose that job. You're right. No, you're absolutely right. Uh, they bring him in. Cody Bellinger still second. Next pitch, Chris Taylor rips a walk-off home run, the hardest-hit ball of the entire night, 110.7 miles an hour off the bat. Also, the furthest-hit ball at a nice 420 feet. It travels. Uh, and it's a walk-off home run. Dodgers win 3-1. to one. They advance to face the Giants starting on Friday. And, yeah, I mean, that was an incredible ending to a very entertaining and long wildcard game. Absolutely. Well, LJ. How do we have? Uh, you want to just preview the ALDS and then call it? Yeah, sure. We're going to preview the uh, two ALDS games that or the two ALDS series that will be happening tomorrow uh, or today for you guys who are listening. LJ, where do we want to start? Which which series do you want to break down first? I mean, I know that should we start with the game that that will be happening first, which is yeah, White Sox Astros? Yes. LJ, I am so excited for this series. Uh this is going to be, in my mind, one of the most entertaining postseason series we've had in a long time. Just because this White Sox, and I said this during our, our playoff picks, the White Sox have been built on this pitching staff, and now their lineup is starting to get there. They have a great starting rotation and a great uh, bullpen. The Astros, though, are just have a murderer's row of a lineup that they put together here. And both teams' strengths, like something is going to have to give. Houston has that postseason identity. The White Sox don't really have that, but they have a manager who is certainly very well-versed in managing in the, in the postseason. And look uh, – I'm very excited for this series. Game one tomorrow or today will be Lance Lynn taking on Lance McCullers, the battle of the Lances. And LJ, you picked the Astros. I picked the White Sox to advance. I think this series goes five games easily. Like, I don't see how it doesn't. And I know that you, for whatever reason, LJ, you just just don't think this is going to be a good series. Well, for starters, let me say you are really over, I think I think it might be a bit of a stretch to say this is one of the best series. It's going to be one of the most unique series. I'll give you that because just and just because of how many times we've seen the um, Dodgers play the Giants. But let me just remind you that the Dodgers and Giants are facing off in a five-game series for the first time ever that they've met in the postseason. Let me also remind you that the winner is most likely going to have to play the Brewers. And I would also say that that series is better than 
the Astros White Sox series. Now, it's not to say these aren't good teams. This is going to be a very good series. This is probably one of the more entertaining years of ba- playoff baseball matchups, like across the whole bracket that we've had in a while. Because it just feels like there's a, you can, maybe it's just me watching so much, but I can find plenty good in each of these teams to be able to take them. But it's going to be Houston and four. And here's why this is easily the best lineup in baseball. I say that with having the over Tampa, over Tampa, over the, I mean, Red Sox granted only have like a five, five lineup spots that are really there, but top to bottom, this lineup is absolutely disgusting. And I think they can prove it. Not only are they going to be able to hit the giants or not the giants, she's the white Sox pitching, but I think you also have to look pitching matchup by pitching matchup and really actually maybe not matchup because Lynn Giolito Cease, uh, all of these guys have pitched phenomenal all season. So I can't necessarily knock them with that. However, there are, I can talk myself into quite easily. I could talk myself into gambling on each of these starters, certainly the ones that they already have announced for this series. I can talk myself into Lance McCullers having a great game, a phenomenal game in game one. I can certainly talk myself into Framber Valdez, maybe not as much, but I certainly can also, as overrated as he may be, think that Luis Garcia versus Dylan Cease is certainly going to be a good game. But that's one where I think Luis Garcia can certainly keep the score well within reach. He's certainly, I would, I would feel comfortable saying that none of these Houston starters are going to get blown out. So with that being said, I think, yeah, this is going to go four and this is going to go four in Houston's favor. I think they've just, they've just got more. I just think in terms of star power between the two teams that why that's why it's so entertaining. Mm. I mean, the white Sox are kind of like the young kids on the block. They are going to be here for a while you look up and down their lineup, Luis Roberts, 24, Eloy Jimenez is going to be 25 in just a little bit here. Uh, Yoan Mancata is still only 26. Uh, they got Gavin Sheets, who had a really, really nice end of the season. He's only 25. Uh, and then you look at their, their pitching, Lucas Giolito's 27, Rodon's only 28. Dylan Cease is 25. Then you go to the bullpen where you got, of course, Hendricks and Kimbrell at the back end who are very well-established veterans. But then you got Kopech, 25 years old. Garrett Crochet, 22 years old. Aaron Bummers, 28. And all these guys that I mentioned still have so much service time left with this team, it's going to be pretty much the same core for quite a while. And all these guys have been outstanding this year. Everyone who I mentioned, you look at the Astros then LJ, you said it right. You, they, I mean, yeah, they have been incredible lineup. You look up and down the lineup, Kyle Tucker is hitting what like he's going to be hitting sixth or seventh, maybe. And genuinely has been one of the best players in the league this year, like top 30, top 30 player in the MLB this year. The lineup is just so stacked. Altuve, Brantley, Jordan Alvarez, uh, 
Yuli Gurriel's had a very nice year. Uh, Bregman, you know, uh, Carlos Correa, it, it goes on and on. Uh, Marwin Gonzalez back on the Astros, too. I believe he made the playoff roster. Yes, he did. Marwin Gonzalez on the Astros playoff roster uh, once again. But, yeah, it's going to be a really fun series. I'm just very excited because of all of the star talent that they have to showcase. Brandon, uh, to wrap this up here, the the player that is going to need to have a massive impact on this on their team in order for them to win. If you had to pick one player, who's going to win the series for Houston and who's going to win the series for Chicago? Ooh, good question. Um, I'm going to say the player that wins the series for the White Sox is Lance Lynn. If he's starting game one, I'm going to assume that he'll be able to go in game four on Monday. Uh, right. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's the playoffs. You're going to pitch on short rest. You'd have to assume. I think that they can get two wins uh, off of, out of this guy. He's been outstanding the whole year. Uh, they feel confident enough to give the ball to him after fully rested pitching staff over Rodon, over Lucas Giolito. I love me some Lance Lynn. He throws the fastball like 80% of the time. The hitters still can't. They still know what to do with it. Yeah, I will say I, I would probably find it unlikely that unless, unless of course, it was an elimination scenario that we would see Lynn in game four. Purely for this reason, Carlos Rodon is not currently slated to, to get a start in this series. And that I think would be absolutely insane. So, oh, well, actually, I said this, and, and I said that the series is going to go five. So I'll, I'll assume that Lynn pitches uh, game five. I would assume you just give him the extra day and let another Cy Young candidate take the mound on game four. It's a good idea, too. LJ, right. what about you? Who's your guy? For Chicago? Just in general. Uh, oh, no, this. I said for both teams. All right, now, oh, okay. flip it over. If Houston was to win, who's going to have the – who's going to win the series for Houston? Um, I'm not saying Altuve, even though I want to. Kyle Tucker. I mean, the dude's a tank. I think either him or Jordan Alvarez has a really big series uh, hitting-wise. And uh, – don't doubt what Kyle Tucker can do in the field either. Uh, I think he's going to make some really nice plays. Yeah, well, I'll go. I'll, I'm going to go with Kyle Tucker. The guy had 5.7 war this year for a reason. All right. Well, I'm going to start with Houston as they were the team I took here. The player that's going to win this series is Alex Bregman. Look. This guy has missed quite a bit of time, only 400 plate appearances this year, missed a lot of time this year. That's why the numbers don't look off the charts, but this guy still rakes. This guy is still one of the best offensive third basemen in the league, and in the playoffs, good good things happen most often when there's runners on base, and who's going to get the runners on base? Who's going to be stepping up in those big moments, the heart of the order, Alex Bregman is going to be in the middle of a lot of stuff in this series. If they win it, it's going to be by Alex Bregman's hand. As for Chicago, 
might be going a little far off the beaten path here. It's going to be Michael Kopech. If mm. Chicago wins this series, it will be Michael Kopech winning it. Look, I love this guy's game. I love what what he throws, how he throws it. And from every report you've gotten, they all feel the same way. You hear, I think it's quite a uh, sight to see when they were doing all the interview process during All-Star Weekend, and they had the other members of the rotation who fully know that one of them is going to get kicked out of the rotation in order to get him in there, fully saying he's going to be one of, if not the best pitcher starter in this rotation next year. And so what I see with that is I see a guy who has had success out of this bullpen that they're going to need to come in to some rough situations this year, this time through, and maybe give them length, maybe give them multiple days of just dominant outings. He's been their gadget guy all year, and they're going to need him to do great things here for them. All right, let's move to Rays Red Sox game one in the Trop. Uh, there will be more Red Sox fans there than Rays fans, unfortunately. So the Red Sox once again luck out and get uh, essentially five home games. Uh, but it will be Eduardo Rodriguez taking on Shane McClanahan, two lefties. Uh, uh, LJ picked the Red Sox. Of course, I picked the Rays. I, I find it hard to see how this Tampa team uh, is stopped. I mean, they shut down the Yankees offense over the last weekend in the or in the last weekend of play. Their pitching staff has really stepped up. They have such a deep bullpen with a bunch of nobodies who can somehow just turn into <laughs> just crazy pitchers. Uh, not the best starting rotation currently, but they figure it out. They scored the most runs or the second most runs, actually. The Astros barely eat them out, uh, thanks to the Yankees shutting them out in the last game. Uh, this Tampa offense is crazy. Uh, and I can't, I have to root against the Red Sox, and it sucks to have to root for Tampa, but uh, yeah. LJ, uh, should we do our our player picks here? Unless you have any um, general. Yeah, thoughts? just from I'm gonna say this here, just so I preface it. I took it. I took them because I do genuinely think they can win this. I think when you really break it down, they certainly they they can match up against them. They have matched up against them. I believe it is what eleven and seven. That's not like terrible. No, yeah, eleven and seven this year against them. That's not that far off. I think this team certainly is beatable. I don't think it's likely. And if it's, if it is to be, they have to grab momentum very early in this series if they're going to have any shot. So while I'm very hopeful and think it absolutely can't happen, willing to predict it, willing to speak into this um, existence, certainly glad to give us some of that good old Homer energy that we were, uh, we've been missing out on for a little while in this show, but this is going to be a very tough series. Now, LJ, a question, the Red Sox don't even have a starter announced for game two yet of the series. It'll be sale. It, are, are you sure? Positive. Okay. So because if it weren't to be sale, 
if it weren't to be sale, it would have been Pavetta, and Pavetta was available out of the bullpen for the wild card game. So if he was even thinking about using him there, I mean, granted, you could just change it up there, but I don't think that's likely. I think we're more apt to see sale there. Got it. And then game three, Sunday. Will probably be Valdi. Valdi. Got it. Okay. Um, Rays have not announced their starter for game three. Game two will be Shane Boz. Uh, but LJ, I'll start with my players, and I'm going to probably take your Rays player. Uh, I mean, I guess we can both pick him. It's Wander Franco. Come on. I mean, come on. It's the dude's playoff debut. He still has, and I think in almost every MLB game he's played, he's reached base. Even though his streak got broken, he still got on base twice in that game where his on-base streak was quote-unquote broken because he hit into fielder's choices but still got on base. He is in a, he is a menace at the plate, LJ. I mean, just I, I can't believe how good of a hitter he is. And, uh, yeah, we're going Wander Franco for the Rays. And for Boston, uh, it comes down to whether or not Chris Sale uh, shakes off whatever that whatever he's been going through here at the end of the year and can pitch like the Chris Sale that we're used to seeing. Well, let, let me then again um, and just clear up what he has to shake off. What he's having to shake off is rust. He has not been able to pitch like the real Chris Sale since August 2018. This has been a very long time since we've seen a fully healthy Chris Sale. And with that being said, especially when you consider he didn't even pitch from August 2019 um, through, it's going to take him – it, it should take you more than two months to get back to being a dominant Cy Young caliber ace. And so that is a issue, but I'm going to also agree with you there and double up there. Chris sale is this series. I, I'm not going, I'm not expecting him to go seven, eight innings, one hit ball, but I need him to not have his pants pulled down around his ankles. He that can't will, be normal playoff Chris Sale, which a 5.76 ERA over the course of his career. He needs to actually step up. No, because while I think it is – I think it's possible we win game. I think it's more likely we win with Chris Sale on the mound because realistically, Eduardo Rodriguez is not going to give you six a quality start. He isn't. That hasn't been his MO, but for the most part, he can give you four solid innings. Mm-hmm. If you can get four solid innings and then figure it out for the rest of them, and you can you can luck by through that. But I think it's more likely that you get it with Chris Sale. So if we're calling this 1-0 Tampa going into the Chris Sale game, you can't fall down 2-0 and get absolutely embarrassed on your way back home. You cannot have that be the narrative that – you're being sent back to Boston with. You can't have that hanging in the air for an, ex- an extra travel day. You absolutely need to win that game two or at least have the game two be close. You can drop 2-0 and it still wouldn't be good. But if it's like, if it's a 2-0 game and they lose like 4-2, it's a big difference between that and losing 7-3. You know? So that I think is the big thing there. 
the other person who the other player who wins this i won't bring in alex cora but that would also be an acceptable answer if if i was if i were allowed to say players which i'm not allowing myself to it would be robles brazier hauk and whitlock that group that went in the wild card game brandon i say with full sincerity those have been the guys who have pitched the best for us over the last month. And that's all I can ask for right now. And they still continue to pitch very, very well. So with that said, it all comes down to how fresh can they keep themselves and how many innings can they possibly do without getting ridiculously fatigued? If they can eat up innings like a champ and still pitch at a high level, this, this team is going to have a lot, better time winning mm. uh who's your guy for the rays, rays? Yes. um with the rays look you can go a lot of different places here brandon i think it's time for playoff randy to come back this team's gonna win rookie of the year randy is fully alive and well playoff randy needs to come back here had a fantastic year. Certainly is deserving of this rookie of the year. 2020 season. What what was his war this year? Uh 4.2. 4.2. Yeah, he he was fantastic. He he was fantastic this year. The team should be very pleased, but now it's time for him to put on a show again, just like he did last year. And momentum going. Because if he can get hot again, really you need one or two bats to get really hot like that. And I think Randy Rosarena has got it in him again. Yeah, I mean, he hit 10 home runs last postseason. Or, yeah, 10 home runs in the 2020 postseason. It's it's absolutely nuts. Uh, but, yeah, LJ picked the Red Sox. I got, I'm rocking with the Rays. And uh, very excited. Playoff baseball is so back. Tomorrow, I will be positioning myself, sitting down and watching the games. And we'll be back tomorrow night to recap the games, of course. But, uh, yeah, thank you all for listening to the show. Check us out, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, at MLB Daily Pod. And uh, we will see you tomorrow. See you manana. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready.